Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I'm Mike Levin. I'm running for Congress against Daryl Issa, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, let's try this one more time. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us for your favorite listener-supported, listener-produced podcast, I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, who's acting like he's done this before, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me for the second time, Brittany Page. It's okay. Or maybe for the 400th-something time. You know, everybody everybody makes mistakes. So Let's explain for those, of, for those of the audience who aren't on the live stream right now. We have started once a week to live stream the show on the YouTubes. Right. And uh, we started the show. I did what I just did, except it wasn't... It was being recorded through my laptop's microphone, is what, what the deal was. Ah. It wasn't the mixer's problem. Mm-hmm. So, because of user error, we started again. Yes. Well, good job admitting <laughs> that you did something wrong and made a mistake. <laughs> and also telling everyone a little bit about um, how technical your job is here and how difficult it is. I didn't say it was difficult. Difficult to maintain. Well, I, maybe I'm just a fucking dumb guy. Mm-hmm. That's more likely what it is. No. I'm just, I'm just a dullard who doesn't know. Can I talk about dullards for a second? Mm. Anybody who fucking goes on Facebook after watching a movie that only one-tenth of one percent of the, the population has seen and writes about it, plot lines, is a fucking dullard. Spoilers. Well, I'm talking about spoilers. This isn't just like regular people on Facebook that are doing this. I've seen articles like by Slate as you spill your drink all over yourself. <laughs> I'm a mess today. This is all right, everybody. Good times. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Uh, I've seen articles in Slate just scrolling through my Twitter timeline. And I don't even want to say the title of the article because I, I think the title of the article is, is technically a is technically a spoiler. Yeah. If they're given plot points, even controversies of plot points that you didn't know before you walked in the movie, that's a spoiler. Yes, it's it's um the title is about something you learn in the movie yeah, about a character. Yeah. No fucking good. And it's man. not specific, but still it's telling you information that you didn't know going in. Look. And I, that's just a news article, the title of a news article. I'm not even like a Star Wars nerd who is going to be outraged by details because I want to learn about it then. That, and that's not me at all. Yeah. I enjoy the movies because they're good movies, but I I really don't yeah. have any affinity to the Star Wars thing. Yeah. Any of that. But if it's a movie I want to go see, don't fuck it up for me. <laughs> like, I've been seeing lots of posts on Facebook and I'm avoiding any, if I even see 
oh, it's Star Wars, and this is what I, ah, I just fucking scroll past it really quick. Yeah. What's well, with people? I, I don't know. And I think this happened a lot with Game of Thrones, too. I mean, you have these organizations that want to get clicks. And so what is going to get clicks? The most popular TV shows and yeah. movies, yeah. obviously. But not everyone has seen those. So it's not exciting for the people who haven't watched it yet. And that's many people, as you previously stated, because not everyone wants to go wait in line for two hours to see Star Wars. On the on opening weekend. Or longer. I don't know how long people probably yeah. had to wait in line. I'm sure it might have been like all day. I don't know. If it's if it's a longer than 10 minute line, that's too long a goddamn line. Yeah. <laughs> Just wait a week. Yeah, that's exactly and right. And the, the line will probably go away during certain times. I don't know. I remember the first time that we ever went to a movie and I thought, oh, no, it'll be Christmas Day. There'll be no line. Yeah. Holy shit. Well, I think you you had never been a movie on Christmas type guy. Oh, yeah, of course not. No. Yeah. So. I was too busy worshiping the the, the the newly born Lord yeah. on, on the Christmas, you know, Jesus' birthday and all. Yeah, but a lot of people go to the movies <laughs> on Christmas. We have stories in and about that as well, but mm-hmm. we will we will save those for another day. Yes, I guess the moral of the story here is, um, look, dicks, don't spoil it for everybody. And I've been guilty of it. Mm-hmm. I guess we're not done because mm-hmm. I want to tell a story. When we watched the the season finale of, or maybe it was the last few episodes of Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. I was quick to Twitter or Facebook and mentioned. One of the key characters that died. I don't know why. I don't want to spoil it for anybody else. And even it's though, like five years yeah, later. <laughs> five years later. That's how serious you take this. Yeah. And, and somebody called me out for it. And I felt at the very moment, I felt very, very terrible. Because in my mind, everybody else was watching the TV show along with me. Okay. Well, I have other stories for how you're a dick because. Wow. Um, wow. We have been Very wa- nice. we've been watching movies and oh, right. in the this first and, and no it's not no it's not in yes, the, it no is it's be- not in the first few minutes you will lean over to me and say oh this is what's gonna happen by the end and you spoil the movie that's, for me that's a guess that's not a spoiler okay. I don't have any yep. information that you don't but have the guess is correct and so it ruins the movie because then I'm like oh great yeah. I already know what happens. We can leave. We don't need to even watch this now. No, because I want to find out if I'm right about my guess. Yeah, and how often are you wrong about the guess? It doesn't happen very often. Yeah. But it does happen. Uh-huh. That guy's the bad guy. Well, guess what? Keep your guesses to <laughs> I, yourself. I have started keeping... In the future. I have started keeping my guesses to myself. Well, good. You, what do you mean, well, good? You know I have. I, I, I don't do that as often. I don't sometimes, know that. I sometimes don't know that. it's like a Tourette's tick, though. I have no control over it. It just needs to come out. I need to tell someone. Yeah, because you have to prove to everybody yep. that well. you know. <laughs> you know it's going down, right? <laughs> Listen, mm. you, you have the choice to go to movies with me. You, you just, don't have to go to movies what's with that? me. Oh, is that Jesse tooting his own horn in the movie theater, <laughs> ruining the movie for everybody in the first five minutes? For yeah. everybody? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't get up and get in front of the screen and, hey, everybody, this is what I think is going to happen. I just whisper it calmly to you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's somehow transition <laughs> from this riveting conversation to that of our current climate. I don't know why there's an N in climate at the end there. 
uh, of sexual harassment, sexual abuse, and the new world in which we live. We've got a couple voicemails about it. We're going to start there. Hi, guys. This is James from Georgia, and I wanted to call in with a question about the sexual harassment, rape, and rape culture topic we've been discussing here as of late. And specifically, I wanted to get the input of Brittany, because Brittany, I know that you are, well, you're a woman, and that goes without saying, but it's important in this particular conversation. And you are a skeptic who often looks at the other side of arguments. You're very open-minded. And um, as a woman, you have your own certain perspective that doesn't necessarily match the perspective of all women globally, but I still think it's an important take to have. So my question is this, what do you do about the gray area? And let me tell you what I mean by that. I mean, there are a lot of women out there who are confident, who know themselves well enough that they are fearless and will have sex just for pleasure, just for fun, sometimes with a random partner or multiple partners. These people actually exist. Also, um, there are women, and this is this is more what I'm talking about, women who are wanting for a man to take charge, to take her, so to speak, sexually in an unspoken manner. They just want to be taken. And that is part of this gray area that I'm talking about because as long as there's a mentality that you want unspoken connections to manifest themselves, you know, sexually, then it's going to be hard to navigate this gray area. I know that I've spoken to some men, and I'm not talking about men who are jerks, who are hitting on women constantly, who are always looking for any opportunity to score, so to speak. I'm talking about regular guys who you know, are just regular guys. They're not jerks. They're not a-holes. They just want to connect with a female. And it doesn't necessarily have to be for a an extended relationship. They're looking for that commonality. Or even just the idea of wanting to connect with someone sexually uh, spontaneously. It becomes much more difficult to understand and navigate those areas. Um at least the men that I've talked to are afraid that being an aggressive sexual partner, not in a violent way, but just making that first move, saying something or doing something based on a feeling or an intuition that you're getting is much more difficult. As we've seen proved by many of these accusations, many of the men are saying, I remember that interaction very differently. And this goes back to our individual perspectives, which is why that unspoken connection is very difficult to navigate. So I wanted your thoughts about that. I appreciate you guys very much. Thanks for putting on this program. Thanks for giving people a place to speak their opinions. And thanks for moving the conversation forward. You guys are both the best part. Okay, so that is a lot to address. Hang on, hang on. I, <laughs> I got to say first. Sexy guy voice, Jamie. Miss <laughs> Brittany. 
Let me, uh, it's almost, it's Marvin-esque, but it's like white guy Marvin-esque. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it, it's like if a white guy really tried to do a sexy guy voice, that's what Jamie's got going on. Yeah. You, it goes unspoken, Brittany, that you're a lady. Yeah. I did appreciate all of the compliments. That was really, <laughs> really nice. I'm just fucking with you, Jamie. Don't get unsexy on us. Okay. <laughs> So this is uh, this is a lot to address, I think. For sure, it's serious. Despite my tone. Yeah. So um you know, it's really unfortunate that Louis CK is a dick because again, I'm reminded of one of his jokes during this voicemail. And should I tell the Louis CK joke? Should I give an overview of it? Yeah, sure. Okay. So More context is always better. Yeah. Well, I mean, I we're going to keep talking about his jokes. I don't know if that's something that... No, he, he, he doesn't not exist anymore. Okay. So he tells this joke of like he was wanting to hook up with a woman, but she kept like, while they were making out, kept basically shutting him down but then like bringing him back in making out then kept shutting him down when he tried to go further and he saw her the next night and he's like hey what happened i thought that we were like having a good night or whatever or she asked him that she said hey what happened i thought that we were gonna you know bang and (laughs) and he said what well you kept like you kept shutting me down so i thought that you you know you weren't into it and she said no i just i like men to like go for it and just do it and he's like, what? I'm not going to rape you on the off chance that you just like to be raped or whatever. But you're into that shit. Yeah. yeah. And when James was talking, it reminded me of that joke. And yes, there are women who want to be taken. Okay. But I don't know what, like, I don't have a solution for the men that are concerned about those women and, like, how they can just take them without, like, the consent. I, I don't know. Like, I that's that's not possible is basically well, what I'm saying. I, th- there's a couple things that I thought were a little odd about what he said. Uh, not odd, like, peculiar, but just didn't, didn't add up for me. Because if it's an unspoken thing... You're not going to be doing that anyway. I think maybe you don't mean unspoken. Right. Because, uh, or, un, well, I mean, no, maybe he is saying that, but it, if it's not uncommunicated, if it's if it's not communicated to you, you're not just going to guess that she's one of those chicks that just wants to be overtaken. Yeah. That just, come on, I, I don't... I don't get that. Yeah, and he and that's one of the things he said. Unspoken connections to manifest themselves is going to make it hard to navigate this gray area. And I think what's happening here is that men are starting to realize that the landscape has changed and that it's like probably no longer acceptable to do what they might have done in the past in bars, for example, where the atmosphere is a little more loosey-goosey. And they probably walked into the bar thinking, well, the atmosphere is loosey-goosey and I can kind of, you know, get grabby and maybe some of those unspoken like looks or something. Lindsay, a caller from several episodes back, said that she used to just think it was okay for a guy to grab her and like bend her over a table at a bar. Yeah. That is fucking just wacky as fuck to me. But apparently that was a thing for her. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is... um. These constructs were not well defined in the voice memo. And yeah, it, it, uh, it's hard for me to 
respond to it not knowing like what the unspoken communication is or what that would look like or what men are used to that looking like and then they're concerned about it going away or even really what the gray area is um you know he mentioned the word spontaneous so is the gray area that he's talking about related to having spontaneous sex with strangers and how that is no longer going to be acceptable because uh there seems to be some sort of consent that would still be involved in a yeah, spontaneous sure. sex situation. Well, let me listen, if certain types of sex go away in the spirit of some women not being raped because they didn't get consent and the 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 wires got crossed and it was, "Oh, I thought you were one of those ladies." Then I'm fucking sorry, Jamie. Sorry, James. Uh <laughs> that's just what it is, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of heartbreak for, for that happening, if that's the trade-off. Yeah, I'm also, I'm thinking about a clip I saw this week where Tucker Carlson had some guy on. I don't I don't know who the guy was. Brittany Page, big Tucker Carlson fan, it turns out. No, 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 no. Um, you just like his quizzical look all the time. I like the bow ties. And he, he was talking to some guy, and this guy was saying, you know, I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm afraid to be alone with women in the workplace. Like Come I don't on, I, like I don't want to have meetings with women in the workplace because I don't know how they're gonna feel about it in thirty years. Okay, that's a quote. That's literally what he said. Last week, I could just grab ass willy-nilly. This week, oh, who knows what's going to happen? Well, what do you mean you don't know how a woman is going to feel about it in 30 years? If you're talking to her about how you need this report by Friday and if she could right. change the font and maybe change the spacing right. and this this is how she needs to deal with a customer, as long as you're not taking your dick out. Or talking about taking your dick out. Yeah, or talking about her chest or, you know, I mean, as long as those things aren't happening, then you don't have to worry about how she's going to feel about it. This seems to be the easy way for that guy is, are you at work? Keep it about the work, guy. I mean, yeah. are you guys going to go out to dinner tonight and go see the movie afterward? That seems appropriate. Right. Are you going to go and jerk off at the movie after work? Maybe not appropriate to talk about at work. Yeah. So so what I'm saying is Damn. I think that what James is By the way, we're not linking we're not lumping James into this. No, no, no. So what I think James is describing and when he describes his his male friends coming to him and expressing these concerns, I think that that's happening in a lot of circles where men are coming together and expressing these concerns and trying to navigate the changing landscape. And I'm sure that's scary, but Look at the other arenas in life where we judge people for not accepting progress or not making changes. Yeah. You know, this is like the criticisms that liberals have of conservatives or people like Roy Moore. Things are changing. And now it's time to talk about how they're changing. And that's really what we're doing here. But also accept that maybe certain ways of being in the world are going away well, it, and consent is important and it's needed. And, you know, it, it's interesting. Imagine if we were the behavior that was acceptable two months ago. And I use acceptable super, super fucking loosely. The, the behavior that was acceptable two months ago by assholes, we'll say, Imagine in 1965 on uh, in, in in a Mad Men type setting where really anything went. Yeah. It was everything was going good. Yeah. They could do whatever they fucking wanted. Assholes, sexual predators, um, defilers of women. 
disrespecters of women, violators of women in that kind of an era, if that kind of a, an office uh, atmosphere really truly existed. And after the last couple of months, I really, I believe it did. Mm-hmm. But imagine if they, if you told them about 19 or, or, or 2019, Jesus Christ, uh, 2015, 2016, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what they wouldn't be able to, they would have thought, oh my God. How are we going to get by in the day without, without you know, patting a secretary on the ass? It's the same thing. It, this is all progress. This is a, a step into modernity, moving forward with equality for everyone. If you wouldn't want to be touched against your fucking will, and I know we're not really talking to anybody here because our audience is a decent group of human beings. Right. Well then, it's not. If it's not good for you, it's not good for her. You know. Well, Go ahead. I also want to say that what's kind of happening here is that men are like, wait a minute, I have to like think, I have to spend time like <laughs> thinking about whether this interaction is appropriate or if I'm doing the right thing, and it's kind that of that hurts my caveman logic. Well, <laughs> I think that that's just how like reflective people are. Right. I mean, you, you have to be thinking about that in your day to day interactions. You like, would think oh, so. Did I say something that was offensive or, oh, did I, you know, those that's not uh, bad. That's not negative. You well, know? It's, listen, it's no different than communication. I think I, yeah, I make it's mistakes. Just communication. I make mistakes all the time in communicating. Yeah. And sometimes I make mistakes enough that I I want to set the record straight yes. and apologize. Yes. So why is it any different if you act d- out wrong? Like, right. let's say, with the, the guy from the Minnesota Public Radio, whatever the fuck that guy's name was. Yeah, I don't know the, that show or The guy. Prairie Home Companion guy. Uh-huh. And he says, well, I touched her on her shirt that was open in the back, and my hand apparently went up. Well, if that's the case, then why didn't you say, oh, hey, oh, shit, sorry, I didn't mean to touch you on your skin. Yeah. Just... You you correct it. You address it. You say sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Didn't know you had an open back shirt. This is awkward. Um, yeah. Did not mean to touch you like that. Pretty fucking easy. Yeah. Pretty simple. Yeah. It, it's common decency. And I'm sure she would have been like, oh, that's that's okay. Yeah. This is a really nice shirt that I like. Before we move on here. <laughs> <laughs> before we move on here. Um, I, I did want to say uh, uh, the one comment that did kind of. It stuck with me in mm-hmm. his voicemail. And it's that many of the men are saying, oh, I, I remembered that differently. Oh, yeah. That's a, for me, I, when I hear, oh, I remember it differently, I hear fucking excuse making. I hear trying to convince people of something that didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like when there's all these accounts of Al Franken ass grabbing, he's like, oh, I just remember that differently. Uh, no, you don't. You don't fucking remember it differently. You're just trying to say that so you might get off the hook. Fuck you. You remember it just the same because you're the one who violated. Well, it also seems to be an attempt to avoid an admission of guilt. Yes. So I don't. So I, I would hope. I don't know why I have Jamie written down if he said James, but uh, I, I, I would, I would um, caution you at believing every one of these men who is denying these claims. Because that's obviously going to be the first fucking instinct that they have is to deny, deny, deny to try to clear themselves of the allegations. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) thank you for the voice memo. 
As always, we appreciate it. We hope we didn't muddle the issue too much. Yeah. If you're looking for definitive answers, you're you came to the wrong place. <laughs> We're just trying to move the conversation forward and talk about it a little bit. Yeah, but I I do want to thank him for that message because I think any conversation surrounding this is helpful and the more that we talk about it, the more that uh, men feel like they're able to join this conversation, I think is is useful. Well, we um, have to be a part of it. Yeah, and and so asking questions and approaching it in this way, I think is the best way to avoid what has been happening in the past, just bringing yeah. it out into the open. For sure. All right, next voicemail. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Jesse. My name's Mpaniso, and I just wanted to air my thoughts on the hashtag MeToo movement. When I have the conversation about sexual harassment and sexual assault with friends, I have often heard the argument that by believing all women, we risk a lot of women lying about being assaulted for some reason or another. Let me just shut that shit down now. Because according to the NSVRC, or the National Sexual Violence Research Center, the prevalence of false reporting is between 2% and 10% a multi-site study of eight U.S. communities, including 2,059 cases of sexual assault, found a 7.1% rate of false reports. A study of 136 sexual assault cases in Boston from 1998 to 2007 found a 5.9% rate of false reports. Researchers even studied 812 reports of sexual assault from 2000 to 2003 and found a 2.1% rate of false reports. So yeah, some women aren't shit. But let me put it to you this way. There's a higher chance of you just being a dick than women lying about sexual assault. Anyway, I love the show. I love you guys. But yeah, Brittany's the best part. Like you thought this was. You guys should just keep doing what you're doing. Keep bringing up the conversation. You guys are fabulous. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Thank you for that call. That was awesome. I think that this is definitely important to to add to the conversation. Because you have people who do try to use this line of argument to um, shut down the accusations. You also have people that selectively use this argument to shut down accusations depending on what political party they belong to, which seems most problematic. Yeah. Right? I'm talking about the people who, um, like, believe Al Franken's accusers but deny uh, Donald Trump's accusers or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Did I say that correctly? Yeah. Okay. Um, but but she does make an important point here, which is that it, it does happen. The false accusations mm-hmm. do happen. And so that's why I think it's useful to take the approach that we have on the show, which is evaluating the allegations um, and figuring out kind of what's behind them and the contemporaneous reports, all of those different things, witnesses, all of those things are very important. Because if we believed every single case that came our way, we would be believing the woman who came from Project Veritas right, with her fake claim only to embarrass the Washington Post. That's part of that, that, that minuscule percentage that Imvani Zoe was talking about. So. Right. Um, uh, uh, and also, it, you, there is a greater chance of you being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is a fact. Yeah. Um, so 
we also yesterday tweeted to put on the uh, Facebook page and the Twitter page an op-ed written in the LA Times of a woman, Anna Hunter, Anna Graham Hunter, who wanted to take her allegations against Dustin Hoffman um, to the media. And she writes about how difficult that was. Yeah. That it wasn't just calling up someone in the media and then they took her story and went with it. It was actually a very, very difficult process to get to that point. Um, And while she was working to get that done, there were other women with her who were going to come forward. But then they started dropping off because they were afraid to come forward. And so you have to think about all these variables that the media is actually doing a lot of fact checking. That's why they were able to um, stop James O'Keefe in his tracks. Yeah. And the media is doing what they need to do with these these allegations. Someone contacts them, says, listen, I have this story. And they start doing the necessary work to ensure that the allegation is reliable. Right. Credible. Yeah. Credible. And. I think that it's important to know a little bit of that backstory. So if you're interested in reading about that, I would suggest going to the the Twitter page or the Facebook page and reading that article. Thank you guys for the voice memos. We appreciate it very much. I think we have one more email and then we'll move on. This is from Raina. Raina. Dear Jesse and Brittany, I just wanted to offer my thoughts on the issue of sharenting, which was brought up during the previous show. First, I would like to thank you for educating me as I had been previously unaware of the concept. I think the issue sharenting goes to a large issue of social media being used in a negative or problematic way. We now live in a society that I feel, at times, believes that everything is for public consumption. Obviously, this is not the case because there are some things in life that should remain private, especially children. I'm not sure why there are parents that choose to use their children for likes or retweets, but as someone who has lost a child, I find it wholly unacceptable and not even something I could conceive of. I would like to echo Jesse's point that children are not their parents' possession or property. They are not even extensions of their parents. I know my experience is anecdotal and thus obviously cannot be extrapolated to generalize the entire population, but I was raised by two wonderful, loving parents who allowed us to be dynamic, beautiful, intelligent, caring individuals. We were never the children of Marilyn and Jesse Lamar Turner. We were Raina, Shirvana, Jarrell, and Kivion. Our parents never violated our right to choose for ourselves to be who and what we wanted and never used us for attention. I pray that Keaton Jones has such amazing people as my parents were to me in his life currently, but if he does not, I hope and pray he finds them. I absolutely love both of you. Brittany is the best part, but Jesse D, you are a hashtag semi-classy bro. Love the show. (laughs) Brittany's the best part. Semi? How fucking dare you, Raina? Um... Mildly. I'm mildly semi? Yeah. That's like a quarter. (laughs) Semi would be like half. If I'm a mildly semi, that's even worse. I don't even know if I want to respond to the email because that's such a, that's a slight. Well, the rest of it was filled with praise. (laughs) Um, As always, Raina, with the powerful emails, thank you for sharing. Um, Yeah. Sharenting is something that we've talked about a couple of times, like we mentioned last time. We got shit for it the first time. We did. Yeah, it was a <laughs> it was a, a a firestorm of website like everywhere where there's an ability to communicate with the show, 
including like Facebook comments on the goddamn on dollamore.com, which I didn't that's happened so rarely. What are you talking about? Well, they actually left comments on the website because there's a thing where you can leave oh, a comment. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Even there, they were like, fuck you. This is lame. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I appreciate Raina sharing her perspective. Yeah. Um, because it's, you know, we already talked about it. So everyone already knows how we feel, but it isn't as though you can't share anything, you know, but I think people can be a little too loosey goosey with the info, not, sure. not realizing that the people that they're raising are going to be adults and may not want certain things revealed about who they are. Um, like that's up to them, even though they're kids, well, you know, it's kind of, it's one of those progressive things that, you know, it's not like right when they're adults, all that information is, is revealed to the world. It's even as children, their children friends are going to see those pictures and maybe start teasing them and fucking with them. And that informs how they view the world. And it's just a snowball effect. And if they're, if they're in the very beginning of their development socially being fucked with because of something you put online as a parent, you're causing your kid torture and pain and misery. And who, what, what loving parent would want to do that? So it's just, it's not don't share pictures of your fucking kid. It's be thoughtful about the manner in which you do it. And what's the motivation? Is it to give to to bring some satisfaction to your life that you feel like you're lacking? If that's the case, then maybe check yourself. But if it's because you want to share this beautiful moment of your kid's life, then then do that. But just be more forward looking. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly many variables to consider, especially like I have friends who don't post pictures of their kids on their social media. They have a special app that they post the pictures to, and it's people that they have invited to, oh, to yeah. look at the photos yeah. so that they aren't putting it out there for, you know, a random they might have added that they don't really know or um, someone they went to school with when they were in fifth grade that they don't know anymore, you know, things yeah. like that. So, so you can kind of control the information. So there are also those resources out there. But um, yeah, I don't know. Thanks for the email, Raina. Yeah. We love you and we appreciate you. And to the callers, we love you and appreciate you as well. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We appreciate any and all feedback, even the negative stuff, that we get. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We do not have any new Patreon supporters. All right. But that is okay. That is okay. Because you can always become a Patreon supporter. Oh, very nice. <laughs> I see what you're doing there. Yeah. <laughs> So if you go to dollamore.com slash Patreon, you can join the Patreon family and we have various rewards. We send stickers out for people above $2. Uh, we have the 
Google Hangouts for people above... Whatever amount. It's on the thing. It's on the website. Yeah, I don't have it memorized. And, and the, of course, we are live streaming. We're live streaming right now. People this are watching us right moment. now. We are performing like monkeys right now. We are not performing. We're doing the same thing. You know what you need to do is if you have the YouTube window open, close it so you forget about it. I don't have it open. Okay, good. Yeah, because I have to read things. You have to read things. Yeah, so... Uh, I felt attacked just now, so I forgot what I was saying. Um, <laughs> you felt attacked? Yeah, quit attacking what me. What a weirdo. It's also um, the holiday season. Yes. And if you're going to buy crappy shit for your friends and family on Amazon, what? Well, this isn't encouraging people to shop on Amazon. I'm saying if they're going to do that anyway, they're not going to stop because I well, said well, it. They're if cert- they're going to do it. They're certainly not going to do it when they are being preemptively judged for what they might buy I on don't Amazon. know what they buy. You're calling it crap. If you're going to buy wonderful, glorious gifts that'll last, last a generation's worth of memories and lifetime on Amazon.com. Exactly. Go to dollamore.com slash Amazon because, you know, if you're going to spend your money there anyway, why not help support your favorite show filled with news, news. and ridiculous comment? Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All kinds of stuff has been going on in the Russian news relative to Donald Trump. No. No, yeah, it's kind of winding down. Looks yeah. like there was nothing there after all. Fake news. <laughs> Well, first, we're going to start with the fact that the Washington Post just really re- re- they didn't reveal anything. Re- 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 they didn't reveal anything. What they did was a report on the fact that Donald Trump hasn't held a cabinet meeting on Russia for the entire year. Donald Trump even has a difficult time when intelligence analysts from the CIA and the DIA and the NSA and the other myriad intelligence organizations, when they come to brief the president, they have to fucking walk on eggshells around him because he gets upset like a little baby. (laughs) Is it one of those things where he feels like if he doesn't talk about it, it's not really happening? Kind of like a kid... Like if they don't think about yeah, it, they're or in the if cookie they don't jar. Look at it. They're in the cookie jar in the kitchen, making all kinds of fucking noise. Yeah. But because they can't see you, they don't know you can hear them. Yeah. That's Donald Trump to a T. Yeah. Absolutely. So he's just trying not to think about it. <laughs> this morning, an in-depth new report in the Washington Post finds that President Trump still refuses to accept the fact that Russia meddled in the 2016 election. These denials apparently creating some tension within the White House. National security officials tell the Post. They have to tiptoe around the issue of Russian intelligence and structure the president's daily briefing to avoid upsetting him. There's also the fallout. One administration official says the president is insulted by the idea that Putin helped put him in office and his denials, quote, have impaired the government's response to a national security threat. Let's talk about it all with one of the reporters who broke the story with Greg Miller of The Washington Post. Steve Hall is also with us, national security analyst and retired CIA chief of Russia operations. Uh, let's begin with you, Greg. There's so much that stands out here. Um, but, but that last part, the concern that this is affecting national security operations, what more can you tell us? I mean, that's, that to us was the organizing principle for our reporting. We wanted mm-hmm. to understand 
What are the real implications across the government of this position that Trump has taken on election interference, on his refusal to accept it? And it radiates across the government. It affects every agency that interacts with Russia or has to do with national security. It affects the CIA, the State Department, the FBI, and all of the others as well. In two ways, really. One, as you said, they have to tiptoe around this. They can't talk to the president about it. So they have to try to find workarounds to make things happen. Uh, but also the administration, largely because of Trump's impulses, have tried to undo some of the punishments that the Obama administration put in place uh, before it left office, uh, trying to, um, exploring for a, over a period of months a plan to try to give back to Russia two compounds, for example, that are in the United States that the Obama administration had confiscated and, and seized from Russia. So, I mean, th this, our story attempts to be a comprehensive mm -hmm. look at the implications across the government of the president's own personal insecurities. Mm -hmm. So, Steve Hall, you worked inside the intelligence community. What's the impact of the fact that people giving the president his intelligence briefings, his daily briefings, feel like they can't bring up Russian meddling? What's the impact when advisors feel like they can't walk that last five and a half feet, as Greg's piece says, into the Oval Office to tell the president uh, things about Russian meddling? What's the impact there? Well, first, I think it's absolutely the required reading, the, uh, the, the work that Greg and his colleagues at the Post have done. This is an, it's an excellent layout, and it really provides a good understanding of a lot of the issues. And the key one that you just raised was really the most chilling for me uh, when I read about this. Um, when you have a situation uh, where the president, who is, at the end of the day, the final most important consumer of intelligence uh, by the U.S. intelligence uh, community, uh, when you when you have a situation where those who are briefing the president begin to become could become gun shy or become concerned uh, about what it is they need to present to the president, as opposed to simply speaking truth to power, which is sort of one of the unwritten rules that the intelligence community uh, and the director of national intelligence and all those who brief the president live by. When that happens, uh, I think it's it's a very very bad sign. So what this does it explains first of all Donald Trump's. I was going to use the word contempt, but I don't even know that it's contempt because I just don't think he understands the necessity that our intelligence agencies pose. So it's not necessarily contempt for them, but I think it's it's a it's a it's a drastic lack of understanding of what they do and the fact that they're not allowed or feel like they're not allowed and they have to tiptoe about bringing hard, cold facts about an adversary is a problem for national security. And they need to feel free and unencumbered where it relates to bringing information to the President of the United States with whom the buck stops. Well, and think think about this. I'll try. They're, they're like walking on eggshells because he is so... So, oh, is he so... So amazing. No. He's not so amazing. No. <laughs> Uh, because he's so vulnerable yeah, and so, I don't know, the only word that comes to mind is sad because <laughs> it, it really is tragic and sad that we have a president yeah. that can't even handle them talking about certain things because it makes him feel like he's not legitimate. You know, That's what they talked about. Yeah, That, that uh, yeah. he doesn't want to hear about Russia meddling in the election because he feels like he was elected legitimately and he doesn't even want them talking about it because he doesn't want that idea in his head. It's so threatening to him. Yeah. Well, may, I think it might also be this. 
I'm, there are times when I'm stressed out in my life, like in the past, stressing out about bills, let's say. Mm-hmm. I'm a procrastinator by nature. So mm-hmm. if, if a bit bills are piling up, when I was a younger man, mm-hmm. I would ignore them. Okay. Because it stressed me out to think about them. But right. ignoring them only exacerbates the problem. Yeah. So maybe it's one of those situations. And I don't know why I'm putting my position myself in a position to align myself with Donald Trump in any way. I know. Why are you defending him? But maybe him? he's stre- No, 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 no. Okay. I'm not defending him. It's a fucking idiotic way to think. You're but just maybe, explaining it. Maybe he's stressing out. Like he doesn't want to even hear about Russia because it's so all encompassing in his mind and it's an ever present threat. Uh-huh. And so he doesn't want to hear about it because it's going to, he's putting it off, not thinking about it. Well, these are just all so problematic for like, a president of the United States. Yeah, for a States. leader. Yeah. I mean, you need to be someone that can manage your own stress. Yeah. That can problem solve. Yeah. That can understand if that's a quality that they have that they have it and address it yeah and stop it from interfering in their day-to-day duties their requirements i mean he needs to be involved in these conversations he needs to understand facts well especially for the fact that it's not getting any better Mm -hmm. robert Mueller has now obtained tens of thousands of emails from the transition team does this mean that we can stop saying her emails and now we can start talking about his emails? <laughs> now, keep in mind, <laughs> the transition emails, they present a wonderful treasure trove of information from which Robert Mueller has very likely, almost certainly been asking questions of witnesses based on the information that they have. They got these from a dis- different organization in the government that is involved with the transition of a presidential election with the winning side. They actually went to the transition team and they were compiling the emails. They chose certain emails to give, but Mueller already had them. So they, the, the, the emails that they were provided by the transition team were not everything. So when these individuals went in, they were likely briefed by counsel and told what information they believed Robert Mueller already had. That is big. That is going to prove in the coming weeks and months to be a major problem for the Trump campaign. Robert Mueller's team is preparing to interview President Trump's private lawyers, but it's also been forced to defend itself against new attacks from members of the Trump transition team, Republican lawyers, and the conservative media. At issue here is tens of thousands of emails sent by members of the transition team. The transition team's lawyers say Mueller got those emails illegally and argue that the documents should have been protected. But the special counsel's office says it has followed the proper legal channels and legal experts say the emails are fair game because they were sent from government accounts. CNN's Boris Sanchez explains how this latest round of attacks will affect the investigation moving forward. This story just adds another layer on what has been a barrage of attacks on the special counsel from Republicans, some Republicans who are making the case uh, that Robert Mueller should resign. Uh, After news broke several days ago that there had been messages exchanged between uh, 
top FBI officials back in 2016 during the campaign that were critical of then-candidate uh, Donald Trump. Uh, Republicans made the case that two, those two officials that had since been on the special counsel team uh, had tainted the investigation, so to speak. One of those officials actually left the special counsel before the text messages uh, were revealed. One of them uh, was reassigned shortly after those messages came to light. But again, many Republicans are making the case that the messages reveal partisanship within the investigation, and they've argued that Robert Mueller should resign. Democrats, in response, uh, have made the case that the special counsel is not partisan, that it remains uh, politically independent, though they are uh, speculating that uh, the president is now planning to fire Robert Mueller. Uh, two Democrats, both on the House Intelligence Committee, uh, made the case this weekend that that was the case. Uh, first, Adam Schiff, who uh, was on Twitter, saying that he believed that the firing of Robert Mueller would happen before the end of the year. Uh, the other, Jackie Spear, also uh, made the case to a San Francisco TV station uh, that Robert Mueller's firing was imminent. Uh, CNN reached out to White House attorney Ty Cobb for a statement on these remarks, and he uh, gave us a statement writing in part, quote, as the White House has consistently said for months, there is no consideration of firing the special counsel. So you have the White House denying that there is any kind of plan to remove uh, Robert Mueller as the head of the special counsel. You have some Democrats that are saying that that is the case, that his firing is imminent. And then you have certain Republicans that are saying that uh, the special counsel is tainted and that Robert Mueller should indeed uh, resign. Uh, a complicated situation and one that likely will receive greater focus uh, because as early as this week, you have a White House legal team meeting with Robert Mueller one-on-one, -on -one, potentially to discuss the next steps in this investigation. For Sanchez, CNN at the White House. So there are several things here that need to be talked about. One, they didn't mention specifically, but that was uh, Donald Trump Jr. spent eight or nine hours before a Senate committee and its staff last week. Eight or nine hours answering questions. Mm -hmm. Likely, some of the questions, well, actually, no, not likely, because they don't have the emails that Robert Mueller has. Mm -hmm. It's a completely separate arm. Mm -hmm. The other thing... Don't you love when that happens? When I figure out that I'm wrong right away? Yeah, that happens to me all that the time. That sit on it and like just keep continue with it? Yeah, where your brain <laughs> is like fighting against itself yeah, and defeating yeah. the logic before you're even done. <laughs> It's useful. Yeah, I'm glad I did it then. <laughs> yeah. So, um, one is this partisan texts ordeal, texts ordeal, that there was a, a an FBI agent on the case on the Mueller investigative team, who apparently was having an affair. None of this is really material to the case, but was having an affair with another member of the team. Was sending texts about Donald Trump that he hopes that he gets beat. Uh, a hundred million to zero and things like this. And as soon as it was found out that he was making these texts, he got fucking shit canned. Yeah. Robert Mueller found a weakness, a possible bias in the can in, in the uh, organization, and in the investigation, and took care of biz right away. Right. That's a non-issue. Mm -hmm. That means when they find a problem, they deal with it. That doesn't mean he let it go on and on and on and on and has filled his staff with partisans. Right. It means the opposite. Or that he joined the text group. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. Fuck that guy. Yeah, we'll get him. So 
we have these emails. And we're going to wait and see. This is all new information. But Axios is reporting some great reporting from Axios that it really is. It's showing the lack of cooperation of the transition team that when they were asked for these, they didn't provide everything. They were picking and choosing what they thought would be, in my opinion, less damaging. They didn't give everything. So that, that that's moving forward, that's going to be a big deal. And then the other thing is this entire conservative movement um, spearheaded by Fox News to try to make... I'm always late on that. By Fox News to try to make a, a case for um, Mueller's removal. Well, before we, we get there, I want to talk about the reaction from the Trump administration to this, to the email situation. Hashtag his emails. And um, you want that to t- take off? I really, huh? really do. So, what about his emails? How about that? Yes. What about his emails? <laughs> um, but their All reaction, caps his, yeah, his reaction to the entire Russia investigation has been problematic, and it just continues because, as as he was standing in front of the White House today, talking to reporters, was that today with his white USA yeah, hat? Yeah, that, yeah, USA forty five on the side. It said forty five. Yeah, on the side, 45. Giant, like way bigger than it should be. Comically large 45 on the side of his fucking stupid ball cap. Yeah. So he was at... Which could be bought at DonaldJTrump.com or whatever. He was answering questions about these emails. Hashtag his emails. And... What about his emails? And Which he, is it going to be? We need to settle it right now. I Well, you're trying to like move in on what I'm trying to create. Just let me do what I'm going to do. How about that? Wow. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, what people like better. Um... <laughs> So his reaction is slightly concerned. I mean, he appears concerned. Oh, yeah. He's a lot more metered. He is metered. But, I mean, what is he going to do? Start lashing out? He's not metered. He's Trump metered. It's a different level of metered. Yeah, but the way that he is expressing himself, I mean, he continues to say, you know, like we've said all along, there's no collusion. But I'll tell you, we are not happy. That they got these emails. He said some lawyers are not happy. Yeah, they're very sad. Very sad, sad, he said. (laughs) Wait, why are they sad? I'll tell you why they're sad. Why are they not happy? (laughs) There's nothing wrong, right? Right. So why are they unhappy? Why are they sad? Yeah, I'll tell you why they're sad. Everybody knows why they're sad because shit is coming out. And this is coming maybe not rapidly to a close. Uh, maybe we're starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel, well, though. And this is kind of what we've talked about, because if they aren't guilty of doing something, they've been acting so weird with all the yeah. lying and the feeling concerned when steps are taken to get f- closer to them. It's oh, pe- and, People who are innocent don't act like that. And not ruling out pardoning Michael Flynn. Today, the president would not rule out pardoning his former national security advisor, who recently pled guilty to lying to the FBI and is now cooperating with the special counsel. Would you consider a pardon for Michael Flynn? I don't want to talk about pardons for Michael Flynn yet. We'll see what happens. Let's see. He made it crystal clear to ABC's John Carl and other reporters gathered to see him off that he has no use for Robert Mueller's probe into Russian meddling. They're spending millions and millions of dollars. There is absolutely no collusion. I didn't make a phone call to Russia. I have nothing to do with Russia. 
Everybody knows it. President Trump has been lambasting the FBI. It's reputation in tatters, worst in history, he said in one recent tweet. He was especially vexed by text messages sent during the campaign by one of the agents, later picked by the special counsel to be on his team. In those texts, the agent called Trump an idiot and said Hillary Clinton should win 100 million to nothing. Mueller fired the agent over the summer as soon as he learned about the messages, but that doesn't satisfy the president. It's a shame what's happened with the FBI. It is very sad when you look at those documents and how they've done that is really, really disgraceful. Moments later, there he was at the FBI Academy in Quantico, Virginia, all smiles. Sitting next to him, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who has himself been feeling the president's wrath for recusing himself from the Russia probe. I have the honor to introduce someone who supports law enforcement officers just as he promised 100%. And in Quantico, the president didn't utter one word of criticism of either Jeff Sessions or the FBI. I have so many friends that are police officers. Oh. So many people in the FBI. Yes. These are great, great people. The best. <laughs> Tell that to Piro on Fox News. Janine um, Judge Janine Piro. I don't say her first name anymore because I always mix it up. But I want to talk about this event because if you watch it. At the FBI at Quantico. Yes. I don't know why the reporter called it Quantico. It is definitely, there's an N in there. It's Quantico. <laughs> so I was watching this um, and Donald Trump, before he was introduced, he was sitting there next to Jeff Sessions with his arms crossed. Not making eye contact with the speaker, Jeff Sessions. Looking no. away. Well, Jeff Sessions wasn't talking. It was the director or whatever. No, I'm talking about when Jeff Sessions was introducing him. It was the most dismissive la body language. Again, we're talking about body language, but it was shitty. It was obvious he didn't give a fuck about Jeff Sessions, and he wanted to show it. So I didn't see that. I saw before he was introduced by the, the other director or whoever, and he was sitting there with his, his arms crossed. Oh, it was and, Christopher Ray. That's and, right. Oh, it was. No, I saw I, I saw that clip. OK. And he had his arms crossed and he was very unhappy. You could just tell he was unhappy. He's like looking off to the side, like whatever. And then he starts saying, and we're so happy that uh, the president is here, blah, blah, blah. And he he uncrosses his arms and he sits up straight and he's like, oh, yes. They start applauding. He's like, yes, thank you. Thank you. You it's know, fucking weird, man. And then he everything was OK because everyone started applauding. And yeah. he felt as though he was welcome and everyone was appreciating him. And so he didn't need to be standoffish anymore because he was welcome. You're the president. Yeah, You, do, <laughs> you don't you, need to wait for people to start clapping for you. And when make do you, you think it's going to sink in to his dumb, fat, fucking fatty brain, McDonald's laden brain, that he's president of the United States Every room you're in is a big deal for everybody else in the room. Yeah. I I think never because he is so insecure and he constantly needs that reinforcement. They should just like knock him out one night and implant like some kind of a device in his brain that every time he walks, it's... You know, hail to the chief, yeah. constantly running in his head yeah. to remind him, hey, fucker. You're president. Do you think that would work? 
who knows with him? Yeah. I think it's worth a try. Mm-hmm. Maybe not knocking him out. I don't want to advocate for violence against our commander in chief, everybody. Yeah. But somebody's got to have some technology. Uh, it's called finding emails and like getting this <laughs> yeah, going. That is the way to. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing on the path that we're on. All right. Well, we have one last thing to talk about, and it still involves Donald Trump, and it still involves Russia. This time, there has been a lot of communication between Russia and the United States, specifically between Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump over the course of the last few weeks. For the second time in three days, President Trump and Russian President Vladimir Putin have spoken by telephone. The latest call happening today when Putin offered thanks for U.S. intelligence, which helped prevent an ISIS-inspired attack on St. Petersburg. For more on this uh, unusual series of calls and the reasons behind them, let's bring in CNN's Nick Robertson, live for us now out of Moscow. So, uh, Nick, what do you know about this call today and how U.S. intelligence helped prevent a planned terrorist attack in Russia. Sure. So, so today was uh, President Putin's turn to call President Trump and thank him. Of course, late Thursday night, uh, President Trump had called President Putin to thank him for um, mentioning how well President Trump had been doing with the U.S. economy. What President Putin had to say this evening w- was was quite, uh, you know, quite astounding in many ways. What he was doing was calling President Trump to thank the CIA for providing intelligence information to stop an ISIS-planned attack in St. Petersburg major city here in Russia. The target was the Kazan Cathedral and public places close to it. Now, what we understand about this terror attack perhaps comes from an announcement made by the federal state security services here on Friday, because they announced on Friday that seven men from an ISIS terror team that were plotting attacks in St. Petersburg at major city institutions and places around about it, using uh, a suicide vest, using IEDs. The police, uh, in their raid, catching these seven men, were able to collect um, weapons, ammunition, uh, terrorist pam- paraphernalia, and also explosives as well. So the two, these seem to be the, the one in the same incident. So it seems that President Putin is thanking President Trump for stopping a suicide bomber IED-type attack on on a tourist area in St. Petersburg uh, that could have led to shooting on the streets, shooting in crowded public areas, as well as an attack using explosives inside the cathedral. And that attack had been expected to happen on Saturday. And one of the clues as to how the CIA may have got involved in this and known about it, what we learned from the Russian state security services on Friday was that this ISIS team was being led by a team leader outside the country outside Russia communicating with this ISIS cell using the Telegram uh, 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 messenger uh, application. And then, Nick, do you know whether there was any hesitation from Russia on trusting U.S. intelligence? Um, It's not clear at the moment. What we have heard from the Russian side this evening is that they now say that they would provide 
any information and intelligence um, immediately to the U.S. side if they understood that the, the, the United States or its citizens or its interests were under threat from a terrorist attack. So that commitment comes this evening. But also there's an insight from John Huntsman, who's a U.S. ambassador here. On Friday, he posted, and this is when those arrests originally happened. Of course, at that time, we had no idea of the CIA's connection to the arrest. But on Friday, John Huntsman, the U.S. ambassador, um, tweeted a video uh, posting saying that he expected improved cooperation between the United States and Russia. And one of those areas where there would be improvements was over security. All of this is pretty good news. I play this um, because I want to talk about the cynical skeptic in me. First, let's address why this is good news. I'm glad we're communicating with Russia on matters of security, of stopping potential terrorist attacks that would kill Innocent human beings. Because the Russian people are not our adversary. The Russian government is our adversary. Just as the Iranian people are not our enemy. It is their government that is the problem. So, when we communicate and we thwart an attack that then gets we get thanked, that's all great. Where my skeptic, my spidey sense starts tingling is why is this all public? Why are they making all of this public? Hmm. I am suspicious and contend that it's possible that it's because they want to warm the American hearts to the relationship with Russia. They're not all that bad. We're helping them. We're saving lives. They've pledged that they'd give us information now. That's a warm relationship. Right. I can't think of a time... When news like this became public so directly between Mm -hmm. leaders of a country. Mm -hmm. Like, when's the last... I'm sure we share intelligence information all the time. Right. When's the last time Vladimir Putin came out and said, Oh, hey, thank you, Donald Trump. You Thank you so much for helping us. (laughs) I always do the Dracula. But why? (laughs) But why? Uh, yeah. It seems to me that's maybe maybe I'm just being cynical. I'd love to know what everybody else thinks. Well, I think it's fair to I think it's fair to be cynical. I think it's fair to be suspicious of Vladimir Putin and his motives for doing anything. Yeah, really, for sure. Uh, he knows that Donald Trump supporters view uh, Russia and Putin and his relationship with Donald Trump favorably. Yeah. So he doesn't need. And to he win. knows the rest of the sane people in the country do not. Right. And so that is probably something that he wants to change. Yeah. And I, I suspect that you're correct in your assessment. Wow. Oh. Does everybody hear that? <laughs> Does everybody hear that? Brittany Page. Yeah. So there's one last thing. I forgot to mention this at the top of the show. I wanted to bring it up. Mm-hmm. But it's the fact that Donald Trump and this administration, they have leveled rules and requirements against the center's for disease control with and a prevention. list and prevention and prevention with a <laughs> list of banned words. Yeah. So policy analysts at the CDC in Atlanta were told of the list of forbidden terms at a meeting Thursday with senior CDC officials who oversee the budget, according to an analyst who took part in the 90 minute briefing. The forbidden terms are vulnerable, entitlement, diversity, transgender, fetus. Evidence-based, 
and science-based. Evidence-based and science-based. Well, listen, in some instances, they were given alternative phrases that they could use. (laughs) Of course they were. So, for example, instead of science-based or evidence-based, they could say, quote, CDC bases its recommendations on science in consideration with community standards and wishes. You know, because wishes yeah, and you science. Need, you need <laughs> um, <laughs> also you need to worry about what the community standards are. Keep in mind there are hundreds of school districts across the country that have problem with evolution being taught in their classrooms because of the 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 standards of that particular community. So the Department of Health and Human Services spokesperson, uh, Matt Lloyd, told the Washington Post that the CDC will continue to use the best scientific evidence available to improve the health the health of all Americans and that they strongly encourage the use of outcome and evidence data in program evaluations and budget decisions because that's where these terms um, are not able to be used is in official documents being prepared for next year's budget. Yeah. But this is weird for numerous reasons, yeah. because it, like you said, it's the center centers for disease control and prevention and prevention, and that <laughs> seems like it's really important uh, for science and evidence. Yeah, remember the e- Ebola outbreak and all the, the 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 mass hysteria that was on the brink of happening related to that. Some would argue it happened hysteria. They were the ones to combat it. They were the ones to take charge. They were the ones to make policy decisions and to put a plan in action to prevent Ebola from gaining any foothold in the United States. They're fucking important what they do and what they do is science-based. It is evidence-based. Yeah, and this seems problematic because it goes with the larger theme of the Trump administration when it comes to issues uh, for like LGBTQ Americans, where the Department of Health and Human Services actually removed information about LGBT Americans from its website when Donald Trump got into office. And the HHS actually dropped questions about sexual orientation and gender identity into surveys for elderly people. Hmm. So there's like this movement to, again, stop talking about issues that <laughs> make them uncomfortable. Right, right. Um, but it's but a, again... It's a running theme with that, Donald Trump. That still exists. Yeah. You know, in reality, yeah. where people live... Well, <laughs> the, the odd thing about, like, not using the word fetus is Zika. Is, is Zika. Yeah. These babies who are inflicted with the Zika virus and whatever disease that in, in uh, neurocelophily. So what is it? Uh, Something with their, their brain and their head. Microencephaly? That's right. That's way better than what I did. I think. So they they contract that as a fetus. But because of the, the, the Christian sensibilities, you can't call that a fetus, y'all. That's a baby. <laughs> Throw a little, a little whistle in there. I think there was a request to have it live. <laughs> um, well, well, yeah, especially since the Zika virus that, that causes birth defects and it includes important research about the developing 
fetus. Right. It's a fucking fetus. So it's are they, a fetus. Are they wanting like fetus? Like, are they going to give a suggested phrase yeah, for they, fetus and call it a fully developed baby well, in the you, womb? Or, like, what do they to, want? Yeah, so. if you leave it up to Alabama or Mississippi, you call that a baby, y'all. That's a baby. Just a small-headed baby. That's what they have you do. It's a fetus. It's science. We're going to use scientific terms. When are we going to be done with this, Brittany Page? When? Yeah. This this stranglehold on data and evidence and research and science. Well, so those words, they were told those were banned from the budget documents for next year. Um, for the 2019 budget. In a meeting. But also there were words, the same words, I'll tell them, three of them, that were actually flagged in drafts and sent back. And they were told you need to change these. And that was vulnerable entitlement and diversity. Uh, Jesus. So they actually flagged these words, sent the draft, the budget drafts back to the agency and said this needs to be corrected. It's, it's a problem. I, I would like to know how diversity was used. I'm it, sure it's super problematic the way it was used by the CDC. Yeah, and how d- diversity being used in the document was problematic. That's That's what I'm interested to know. Assholes. Assholes, Brittany Page. <laughs> All right. Well, we're not going to end with assholes today. Maybe that was assholes today, just preemptively or in, 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 in retrospectively. Pro, pro, uh, prorated. We're going to prorate that as the asshole today. None of this makes any sense. Yeah. Taking care of biz. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill's taking care of yeah. Luke Skywalker. Yeah, there won't be any Star Wars spoilers. There's no <laughs> there's no concern. Bringing there. it full circle. Yeah, but while we're on the topic of Mark Hamill, I do have to say that he You love Mark Hamill right now. He was my first crush. Oh, was he? No wonder you're still well, loving him right now. No, Luke Skywalker was my first crush. Huh. It wasn't I mean, I know that he is anyway, it was Luke Skywalker that was my first crush. I used to write about him and George Clooney in my diary when I was in like first grade. Wow. Yeah. So pretty good taste, I think. Pretty good taste. From a very young age. Um, All right. Okay, so uh, Mark Hamill is on Twitter at Hamill himself, if you want to follow him. I don't know why we're promoting him. At um, Hamill himself. Yes. and He, he needs our promotion, Brittany Page. Yeah, he does. So he, <laughs> tweeted, he tweeted that the FCC chairman. Uh, Ajit Pai. Yes. Um, he tweeted about him and that little video that he made. Um, I haven't watched it, so I don't know. Yeah, well, so here's the deal. The, the FCC chairman, the chairman of the FCC, who was appointed by Obama to a Republican spot on the board with the FCC and then uh, elevated to the position of chairman by Donald Trump. Anybody who says that Obama appointed that guy to be the FCC chairman is fucking wrong. And they're propagandists. Donald Trump elevate. I don't know why I'm going off here, but that that is what happened. <laughs> so he is the FCC chairman. Yeah. And he did a video, he's done several fucking weird videos, like mocking the people who are opposed to the repeal of, I didn't know we were going to go here, but uh, uh, mocking the people who are opposed to the repeal of net neutrality. One of which is him with a Pizzagate 
purveyor of the P- Pizzagate conspiracy mm-hmm. next to him dancing. He's just a dick. Okay. He's a smog, smarmy fucking dick. Okay. So, uh, Mark Hamill agrees with you, and he tweeted about him and said some things um, about him. <laughs> uh among them were hashtag a Jedi you are not. A Jedi? Because Ajit Pai is also probably like a Star Wars nerd. Well, he just said that he's un- unworthy to wield a lightsaber. So I don't know if in that video he was... He must have. Yeah, I don't know. But whatever. So Mark Hamill tweets this. <laughs> Very dismissive, Brittany. Well, Mark Hamill... But whatever. <laughs> Mark Hamill tweets this, and Ted Cruz decides to enter into a little discussion with Mark Hamill. Because Ted Cruz, for some reason... <laughs> hates Hollywood, but is always trying to interact with celebrities. Do you remember when Alyssa Milano shut him down? He like tweeted Alyssa Milano about like a hug or something. And she's like, no, there's no hug for you or something. Um, (laughs) He's got to know it's just going to end in ruin for him. Yeah. So Ted Cruz tweets Mark Hamill and says, Luke, I know Hollywood can be confusing, but it was Vader who supported government power over everything said and done on the internet. Uh, That's why giant corporations, Google, Facebook, Netflix, supported the FCC power grab of net neutrality. Reject the dark side. Free the net. Okay? (laughs) That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. So, Mark Hamill responds, retweets it. Of course he does. And says, thanks for smarm explaining it to me, Ted Cruz. (laughs) (laughs) Smarm explaining. I know politics can be confusing, but you'd have more credibility if you spelled my name correctly. I mean, it's right there in front of you. (laughs) Maybe you're just distracted from watching porn at the office again. So amazing. Heart. Mark Hamill. So amazing. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, Ted Cruz decided to. Or maybe. Where's Ted Cruz? Yeah. Well, Ted Cruz uh, did spell his username wrong. So that's what he's referencing. Because he couldn't even get his username right to and respond point, to him. Someone pointed it out to Mark Hamill. I don't know. Well, I'm sure he realized his name was spelled wrong. Oh, you mean he didn't get the notification? Yeah, he didn't get yeah. the notification. Yeah, Somebody yeah. said, hey, right. dumbass Ted Cruz. Yeah, is retweeting you and spelling your name wrong. Um, <laughs> Fucking dingus. So Ted Cruz responds to this with two tweets, but we don't need to read it because he already got burned. Yeah, he and fucking got burned. He's addressing the porn issue, which if you don't know what that's related to, uh, Ted Cruz uh, accidentally... Air quotes. Yeah. (laughs) Favorited a tweet that was aggressive porn. A video of Well, aggressive porn. It was porn. Okay, but what I'm... I wouldn't say aggressive porn. Well, what I'm saying is... It's pretty... On the scale of what's aggressive and what's not aggressive, it was like better better it was okay more aggressive than like skinamax but it wasn't like hardcore crazy porn that's what i'm trying to say All if you right. would let me talk it's, i like to talk it's uh not something that you would expect to be on twitter i think is where i was, I was shocked that. by that uh, we talked about it on the show i was shocked by yeah, that. yeah and then also not something you would expect like ted cruz account to favorite like maybe uh, something like you know a little more soft core you know but when i <laughs> <laughs> when it happened, and now we're re- just rehashing it. When it happened, I was like, yeah, it's about time. It's kind of, I expected this to happen. <laughs> Didn't What happened with that, though? Didn't he say it was an intern? Yeah, or, he said and some. And they've been talked to. Some staffer. Oh, we've dealt with it internally. They're not getting it fired. Because we know it's public record how many people work for them, who works for them. And if someone loses their job, you know who did it. So. Yeah. 
what happened was Ted Cruz liked the fucking tweet. Allegedly. I don't know. Do anyway, we need to say it? I don't know. I just feel like we need to say it. <laughs> Everything should be allegedly. You're so worried about it. What's Ted Cruz going to do? Uh, binge listen to I Doubt It episodes yeah, right. and get real pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's where we are. And with that, are we going to leave them? Uh, yeah. I think we're going to leave you, everybody. Good times had by all, we assume, we hope. We hope. We would love your feedback on this episode and any other. If there's something you'd like to sound off about, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtedatdollamore.com. Keep in mind, it is the holiday season. If you're going to buy wonderful, beautiful gifts for your loved ones this holiday season, you can go to dollamore.com slash Amazon, and that will forward you on to the wonderful side of Amazon, which gives you the opportunity to buy such beautiful, quality gifts this holiday season. Every little bit goes a long way towards supporting your favorite show that is listener-produced and listener-supported. We would love for you to do that. Is everybody getting what I'm doing here? If you listen to the first part of the show, I'm sure you do. Listen, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening to every single second that you do. Thank you for your support. Tell a friend about the show. We would love your rating and review on iTunes. If you are an iTunes user, it's super easy now. You got the app. All you have to do is scroll down on our page there. Boop. Click a, click a star. Real easy. That shock you, the little boop. Yeah, good times. All right, everybody. We love you. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. It's like if a white guy really tried to do a sexy guy voice, that's what Jamie's got going on. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.